In this podcast, Dr. Greg Stratman, a veteran educator and administrator, shares his perspectives and insights on rethinking education. Hi, welcome to Rethinking Education. I'm Dr. Greg Stratman. Today I want to talk about what I call education's dirty words. And, you know, they're words that have positive connotations in many places, including education, but I think they're words that have had negative implications and, and, and some negative results in, in many respects. The first is standardization. Over the last 20 to 30 years, maybe even the last 50 years, our education has become more and more standardized. In other words, there's been a desire for kids at grade, in grade levels to learn the same thing everywhere. And no matter what school they're in, no matter what city, no matter what state, they should be learning the same thing. Some people think using the same materials, but education is not cookie cutter. The best education comes from teachers who are really fully engaged in what they're teaching. Teachers go into teaching because they love knowledge and they want to impart that knowledge. And they are most excited when they are imparting it using the tools they choose or help to choose, using the strategies they develop using assignments they have written and assessment materials they have produced themselves. And standardization, in many respects, has taken the best part of teaching, in many respects, away from our teachers. It also seems to be developed on the notion that everyone learns the same, which is not true. Every classroom is filled with students who learn in many different ways. Some students need to see things. They're visual learners. Some are oral learners. They, they need to hear it. They learn best when they hear things. Others learn best when they do things, the kinesthetic learners. And standardized approaches don't often take that reality into consideration. Teachers need to be involved in selecting the materials. And I think that's been lost at every level. And I think it's especially sad at the college level. Much of my experience has been at the college level. And more and more, I have faced situations where I no longer select my own textbooks. I no longer select my own assignments or write my own assignments. I don't write my own tests. These things are especially true with online courses. With online courses, you're not really teaching anything. You are basically tending a class that has been completely developed by someone else. Sometimes by someone who wasn't really suited to develop that course. I have taught dozens of online courses, most of which were poorly designed and poorly set up. They were designed in such a way where students could minimize the amount of reading they did, learn strategies and tactics for minimizing the amount of engagement they had to make, and then, of course, testing online is just problematic overall. I once worked for an institution that online students had to come into the campus or to some testing site wherever they lived, show an ID, and take the test. But those requirements were done away with for the wrong reasons, for convenience, for accessibility, ignoring academic honesty and integrity. And when, when a course is developed by one person or a small group of people, then the mindset 
that develop that course are limited. The perspectives are limited. And that's simply not conducive to the best in education. The second dirty word is consolidation. And again, for economic reasons, not academic reasons, our schools have gotten fewer and fewer and larger and larger. Now, I'm not going to sit here today and make the argument that uh, having a dozen small country schoolhouses, one-room schoolhouses, was the best approach to education. But I will tell you that students learned in those schools, and the teacher knew the name of every student. And when consolidation started, you would maybe consolidate a few small schools into a larger but still comparatively small school. And students knew each other. My, my children attended a grade school, a K through 8 school. They had 200 kids in the entire school. Every kid knew every other kid. Every teacher knew every kid's name. The principal knew every kid's name. Many of the parents knew every kid's name. But schools have gotten bigger and bigger for economic reasons. And big schools don't do as good a job. I'm not saying that there are big schools that are effective. But the larger the school, the more challenging it is to uphold academic rigor, to address the needs of students at the, both the low end of the spectrum and the high end of the spectrum, to make decisions based on rigor and quality in actual learning rather than logistics, student movement, space. The third very word is retention. When has it become, for higher education, job number one to retain students? Student retention, in my experience, over the last 40 years in education, usually means making it easier for people to stay in school and usually easier academically. Let's ease restrictions. Let's let them take online courses. Let's give them extra time. Let's not require such challenging reading materials. We want to keep people here because as an institution, if we have 30,000 students that's more impressive than if we have 20,000 students. But if you're focusing on your bigness, you're not focusing on your goodness. When you're talking about retention, simply what you're talking about is let's fight so we don't lose revenue streams. And that's what students have become. Students have become customers. They've become revenue rather than young minds to educate. And this is why college students these days don't live in the type of dorm I lived in 40 years ago. They don't have to eat the type of cafeteria food that I had to eat 40 years ago. They sit in much, much nicer classroom buildings than I sat in 40 years ago. And that is all with the notion of keeping them there. If they're failing, then what's the teacher doing wrong? If they're not coming to class, why isn't the class more interesting? These are issues that are not conducive to academic excellence. They produce academic mediocrity. And to me, the newest dirty word in education is OER, Online Educational Resources, or FOER, Free Online Educational Resources. 
Many institutions, many university systems have instructed their faculty that they will select materials that are available online. Our online institutions are telling their course developers, you will select materials that are online, preferably free, but at the very least low cost. Now 40 years ago, if I wanted to go to school, if I wanted to go to college and get an education, I bought the materials. And yes, books are expensive, but it was a part of going to college, a part of becoming educated, that the best materials were selected, not the cheapest. There's no way someone can make the argument that the best sources to use are available online. Simply not possible, especially in courses that demand the most up-to-date materials and statistics and data. Now, in some places I know, faculty have been told, let's say encouraged, but really they've been told, put your materials online. If you provide resources or if you've written a textbook or, or if you use your own materials, you will make them available online. Sometimes there's cash incentives to do that. So what is going on with education? We standardize things, we consolidate things, we want to retain things, we want to make things free. And free means we want to attract more students and keep them here. We'll show them how much we care about them by not making them pay for books. We'll show them how much we care for them by giving them better food. We'll show them how much we care about them when we promise not to raise tuition while they're here. And yes, higher education is expensive, too expensive. It's ridiculously expensive, as are books. But when you start making things free and easy, you devalue them. And when you devalue education, the implications for that are long-term and significant. For more information, check out Achieve Excellence Institute on the web and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter.